0: On one's neighborhood, on the uh, other minorities around one, and so forth. That whole method of trying to achieve peace by having a method of violence has shown itself to be fruitless and impossible and self-destructive. And so we need now for the new century to rise as a human, as a group, as a human race, as the one human race, as the participants here are saying, to the realization that nonviolence is the goal, is peace. And therefore, that goal must be also the method. We must just live in peace internally and in our own lives, and then we can extend peace to others. We cannot make peace by making violence. That is the key message.
1: This conference brings together an extraordinary gathering of folks, not just uh, people who are used to making presentations and Uh giving talks, but a lot of people who are actually working in the trenches, doing conflict resolution and nonviolent work in the... Community. Right. What about that? What was the inspiration for that? Well,
0: the inspiration for that was, you know, the Buddhist teaching and uh, the Gandhian teaching, Martin Luther King's teaching, which are very fundamental native and indigenous people of America's teaching. Teachings about nonviolence are usually taught in a religious sort of context or by, for spiritual seekers who are in some sort of retreat setting or an ashram or something like that, Dharma center. And then the people who work on the actual streets where people are being shot down, 23,000 young black men a year are killed by bullets uh, in, in our cities, in this country, and it's like an epidemic. And so those people usually don't have the benefit of this type of encouragement, methodology, and so on, although by force of sheer necessity in the, in the face of the of the crisis, life and death crisis that they face daily, they develop these methods naturally. And so the people who do this in a sort of spiritual meditative way They need the encouragement of seeing that people who are activists have developed this out of the human heart, that it's common to the human heart. It's not just an artificial thing. The people who are doing this on the street, they need the reinforcement of the methodology of the people who have developed the meditative knowledge. So it's this cross-fertilization between these two groups of people that is crucial to our vision. And His Holiness the Dalai Lama and uh, the Brigitte Jose Ramos Horta, they are not pretending that they are going to come here and solve everybody's problem by giving them a few speeches. As His Holiness said in the keynote this morning, he said... This is a working conference, it's not an academic conference. We're here to learn from you who are doing this in action, who are succeeding on the street in deconstructing violent structures and violent reactions and so forth in individuals and in groups. And this, we feel, is very, very creative to turn the tide away from... What has been controlling our political process too much in the last couple of decades which is a an ideology of hopelessness and apathy and nothing works and therefore don't do anything and therefore let the rich keep their money or get more of it and let the poor have less because nothing's going to help them anyway and this terrible destructive apathetic and inhumane ideology has taken over our political process and is leaving leading our society to ever greater polarization and we're trying to just make our little tiny bit of turning the tide against this.
1: It occurs to me that one of the problems we have in America is an inordinate fear of violence. Mm-hmm. And so we build homes with walls around them mm-hmm. as, we, as if we can protect ourselves from the violence. And right. How do we get past the fear? How do each of us as individuals get past that fear?
0: Well, it's the fear, in a way, is good to have the fear. It's a, fear has two kinds. There's a cautionary kind of fear where, you know, you step out of the way of a freight train, which is a useful fear. You know, it you survive, helps you survive. And then there's a kind of fear that paralyzes you and actually would make you unable to step out of the way of the train. You would freeze in the tracks and then you'd be mowed down. And the thing is that uh, it's not a matter of totally trying to eliminate fear in an unrealistic way. It's a matter of not achieving a paralytic fear, the kind of fear that says that I, you know, the world is so terrible and I'm a, a, a rich person and if I share even a nickel with somebody, they're going to come and take all my life away uh, and therefore I better spend all my money building a big high fortress for myself with a lot of weapons and a lot of guards. The problem is that fear paralyzes the person and in a way they imprison themselves within the cage of their own fortifications. In a way, America as a country is a country that is imprisoned within the, with, since World War II really within, the, within its own fortifications. It's Pentagon, it's B-52s, it's nuclear weapons, it's hydrogen weapons. It's poison, gas weapons, and whatever kind you want. Huge expenditure devoted to that, stripping the money away from the schools and the education, putting the money into this kind of defense on the international level, then internally huge prison system, seven, eight hundred thousand people incarcerated at a huge cost. And this is a paralyzing fear because we then have no money for the quality of life. We have no money to educate the many people who wouldn't need to go to prison if they had opportunities and if they had a better understanding if we hadn't deprived them of their basic opportunities when they were young. so. Uh, it is a matter of taking fear and redirecting it from away from methodologies and ways of action that are not working, that are making things worse, which we can clearly see if we look at it objectively, and turning them to methodologies that will work. And those methodologies that will work are methodologies of kindness, methodologies of self-restraint, methodologies of generosity, methodologies of non-violence rather than violence, and um, reaching out to people... Finding our connections to people, finding the touching the points of goodness in them, and so that's what we're doing: harnessing the fear to a, a cart that will get to our destination, rather than trying to drag this hopeless machine uh, that is that in which we ourselves are the foremost prisoners, really. Even those who the guards are just as much a prisoner as the prisoners, you know. And the the people who are paying this 300 billion dollar defense budget are prisoners of that defense establishment. They are not really made free by it. So this is what we're talking about, Michael.
1: One of the things said in this morning's session was that violence is a health problem. Sure. But that was a significant statement.
0: That is a very significant statement that uh, Edward almost uh, referred to that It is a statement made by the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, uh, in which they look at the amount of destruction caused by violence uh, in the family, you know, in in hospitals, the huge medical cost of it and so forth, and realizing that it is something that is inherited in families that are under too much pressure, where then the parents brutalize the child and the child goes on and brutalizes their peers. Then when they have children, they brutalize that child. It's an endless cycle unless we intervene right at the individual and the family level.
1: Robert, I want to thank you for joining us here this morning.
0: Thank you, Michael. It's been a pleasure to be here, and thank you very much for covering this uh, conference and letting the word get out, because, of course, one of the most key things we want to communicate to people is that... There are so many other concerned people. In working on this conference, the great privilege for us has been that we have discovered that there are so many people doing so many successful things that the media image that nobody can do anything and everything is hopeless, therefore arm yourself and hide or leave the country or something, is a real error, and it is a trick, actually, caused to make us not do what we could do. It is a trick by the sort of forces that are habitually uh, profiting by not getting the thing solved. And so we're very happy that you're letting the world know this. We're trying to have as much media to create as much hope in people as we can We feel that's crucial. Thank you very much.
1: Our next speaker is His Holiness the Dalai Lama, Tenzin Gatso, known as Tenzin Gatso in Tibetan. He's the spiritual and temporal leader of the six million people of Tibet. Since fleeing the communist Chinese invasion of Tibet in 1959, His Holiness has lived in Dharamsala, India, where he established the seat of the Tibetan government in exile. His Holiness has received many awards for his distinguished world leadership in the service of freedom, peace, and nonviolence, including being awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1989 for his ongoing opposition to the use of violence in the struggle for the liberation of Tibet. His Holiness the Dalai Lama.
2: Just in, when I approached here, uh, uh, my uh, the driver, see, uh, he told me, uh, he come from this city, so he told San Francisco, it's the best city of whole United States. Uh, then other day in Denver, Another see, person said to me, Denver is the best city. So, I said, and then see, I noticed when we were in Tibet, we, we felt, we consider Tibet is center of the world. And a similar experience, when I, uh, I was in Mexico, the people, in the in Mexican people, they consider Mexico is the center of the world. In and in the Chinese, they consider see, China is the, is the uh, top, most important the nation. So, I think, they i think this is quite logical wherever you live that is the center so san francisco still quite, i think a uh, quite big area then further goes uh, the ultimate center is here so look at that so look so Um, So through this way we can see that ultimately eventually it really reaches to the point of the individual being from whose thoughts, the the perceptions and thoughts of the universe or the city or community arises. So so therefore, logically, uh, if we want genuine peace on national level or global level or family level, the ultimate source of this is oneself. So, therefore, if you if want change in the society, some change in the society, first change must take place within oneself. I think I got in my own little experience. The, uh, whenever I go, it seems, see, uh, at least to some people, which is really, you see, when I met, when we talked, the people really see, showed me. Genuine smile and genuine friendly sort of attitude. Uh, I believe you see this. Uh, I myself uh, always consider the, as a friendly openness uh, and compassion, you know, sense of caring, sense of responsibility, and respect to others. You see this, I consider.